All right, this is the final episode of the Monkey Business Show from the Vault. Episodes recorded before we actually publicly released the show. So hopefully you're all caught up now. We're getting current in the first week of February. Thursday we'll be recording and soon to be released brand new shows from here on out. This one has extended market analysis and investment strategies. I get the quiz, Richie and Eric, on tactics that they use. What do they look for to try to make a good investment? Plus, we recorded it in the aftermath of the storming of the Capitol and the impeachment of Donald Trump in the House. So we're kind of just processing that and what it all means as we kicked off 2021. Welcome to the Monkey Business Show. I'm Aaron Hodges along with Eric Salzman and Richie Bennett. Uh, Listen, man, a lot has happened since we last spoke. I feel like uh, Billy Joel could have written a sequel to We Didn't Start the Fire since we last spoke. A lot of things have happened. We had a storming of the Capitol. The president was impeached for a second time by the House of Representatives. And that's just two things that have happened since then. How are we holding up, gentlemen? How are you doing, Richie? I'm good. We're hanging in here. Yeah, I, I haven't run to the gun shop yet, but maybe it might be soon. I am licensed. I am. I'm a concealed licensed carrier, but I, I'm not concealing or licensing yet. It might be a long line. <laughs> I think those stocks have flown up too. <laughs> Probably. How you doing, Eric? I'm good. Good. Um, I haven't I haven't got my uh, my my carry permit yet. But Eric, Eric, do you live in a county that you must show your weapon? Because I know some Texas counties yes. cannot conceal. Bear County, um, where I am in Texas, that's San Antonio, is is more more liberal. So I think there's more you know. But that being said, I, I honestly, I because what you'll see actually because on a lot of stores and buildings when you walk in, it says you know concealment of firearms is you know is you, you can't walk into this place with a gun, mm. which. I'm sure if somebody wants to do something bad, that, that sign stops them from walking into a place. Like that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that being said, yeah, I, I've seen I've seen some fun stuff around here. I've literally um, there's a uh, oh I'm trying to remember the name now. Uh, Bucky's Bucky's is like this famous these roadside stops all along the Texas highways, and uh, Bucky's is just you know, all the truckers go there. It's got like 40 gas you know terminal terminal pumps to, to pump up. And then it's got a store in there, like goes on. It's as big as like a, just a gigantic warehouse full of everything you'd ever want. And this is a road, this is a roadside stop. And one time I saw a guy, we're, first time really down here in Texas, I saw a guy walking through there like he was wider. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I don't think he had chaps, but he was walking and swaggering and he had freaking 40, you know, pearl handle pistols on both, both. You know, both hips. <laughs> and he, he wasn't he wasn't being followed by a film crew. That was just like Tuesday. No, he was, just, he was there to get his beef jerky and fill up his uh, fill up his tank. Couple That's tumbleweeds it. blowing by. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we do have an interesting show. No guests today, but we are going to get into kind of an extended market analysis. We're going to check in with Richie versus Mauricio, old school versus new school investing, and a little bit of what's going on with crypto, with Bitcoin. It's been a, been a wild, wild west in the Bitcoin space as well. So we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, Eric, let's start with you, your reaction and uh, prognosis uh, for the market. Where, where are we going? What's happening? 
Yeah, well, um, a few, like you said, a few things happened. So Tuesday, um, remember Richie and I were talking about the blue wave? Remember what was supposed to happen when Biden won and and uh, the market was expecting tons of stimulus and, you know, and lots of lots of government spending. And then when Biden won, but they didn't take the Senate and they narrowed their margin in the House, people kind of faded that, you know, there's, it's going to be gridlock. And if you remember, that's when you, you saw the stocks react, you know, everything kind of reacted positive. I, I think stocks react positively to anything now. <laughs> but I st- stocks acted, re- reacted positively to the gridlock. And then on Tuesday, we, we got the blue wave because the Democrats uh, overturned, flipped two seats uh, in Georgia on Tuesday, last Tuesday on the 5th. And that now gives the Democrats a slim majority in the Senate. And the market reacted immediately um, that now there's going to be aggressive stimulus uh, you know, from, from the Biden administration, that, that their agenda is, is, is more in reach now than it was before that election. So what we saw was interest rates sold off, meaning that they, they, interest rates went up because now uh, the market is expecting a lot more government spending and a lot more government spending means a lot more issuance of, of debt. So when you increase the supply, price will go down, yields go up. That's, the, that, that's how that works in fixed income. Stocks, you know, reacted positively to it. Um, they went up, I'd say modestly on the 5th. And then we had the sixth. We had the the insurrection on the sixth, and um, I think that even more solidified the feeling that we were going to get more stimulus because this is going <laughs> to, you know, because yeah, this is going to fracture the Republican Party, and you know, and, and they may not be in their best position to fight off additional, you know, get, uh, get their agenda in front of you know Biden's agenda. So yeah, so we had an insurrection, and the next day I think the S and P went up one and a half percent. Uh, um, like you said, um, Bitcoin Monkey business one on one, right there, right? Yeah, Bitcoin for that week. So the week of the insurrection, the blue wave, the the articles of impeachment going. I mean, uh, you know, chaos in the nation's capital. So Bitcoin went up um, over forty percent, and it got to forty thousand. And right now, it's it, it's it went back down this week, and it's it's heading back up there again. And I got a funny lesson story to tell you about uh, Bitcoin, maybe, or these cryptocurrencies and investing in them for our listeners, um, maybe after Richie's, uh, Richie's uh, wrap up. But uh, yeah, so right now, um, you know, st- I mean, today, jobless claims come out, they come out every Thursday, initial new jobless claims. And for the first time in really since March, they went up significantly, they went up um, almost to almost a million, and they were projected to go up about 700,000. So that's a million new initial jobless claims. Um, the employment numbers for December came out um, on Friday, last Friday, and we were down. We actually lost, it was the first time in eight months that we net lost jobs. Um, so, you know, the whole COVID reality is, is, is hitting quite hard. And it's really just that people feel, again, like we, we, we say, that they're looking past this. The market does not seem to be reacting at all to kind of the disappointment in the vaccine rollout. I know even here in Texas, you know, they, they have the vaccine, but they don't have enough, they don't have enough qualified medical people to administer it. So I just know people, I know people in assisted living that they, they thought they'd have their vaccine already and no one, there's nobody to give it to them. So uh, just here, that's a, we know it's a problem throughout the country, but so far the markets really have not, have not shaken at all. Given the fact that if you can't get this vaccine out, you know, 
it isn't going to be the third quarter, man, it'll be the fourth quarter that we really start coming back. But all that being said, you know, so far it's uh, steady as you go in the, in the stocks. And, um, you know, uh, interest rates, we got, we got to keep an eye on interest rates, and Rich will talk about that. But, um, you know, right now, you know, market is uh, poised to keep going. Richie? Yeah, I, I was shocked. I, I rarely get shocked about anything, but I was really surprised that the rationale, you know, you're watching. I had CNBC on, and you're watching people climbing the Capitol building, and you're watching the market, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Stock market's going to collapse now, right? Well, all you need is, like, they said they were, like, seconds and feet yeah. away from getting to, like, Pelosi. Right. What would they have done to her? Zip tied. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm watching it, and it did go down. Like, it was having a good day that day, the stocks. Mm-hmm. And that was on the, after, like Eric said, that was the day after the Georgia elections were announced. I was actually pretty surprised, too, that uh, they conceded the two senators that lost on the Republican side conceded pretty quickly. Like, I I was wondering if they were going to be under, you know, strong orders to, like, recount or whatever. But they didn't. They went away quietly. They they fixed the voting machines after the. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, So you watch the people jumping over the wall to get into the U.S. Capitol. To, and to, Marshall, kill, to kill their congressman, congressman. Yes, to kill congressman. Anybody, probably, right? They right. they wanted Pence's head. Like it's crazy. But uh, and then the stocks stocks went down a little bit. But there's no way if you had told me that was going to happen, coming off the heels of you know, and, and it is common misconception that in all democratic uh, legislative, judicial, and uh, executive creates a bad stock market. That's that's fake, fake news. Um, usually what happens is the thing blows up once they get out because they, they've spent a lot of money, but those the money that they've spent creates a lot of jobs, keeps the economy rolling. So the last time it happened in the, on the Democrat side was Obama in 2009 and 10. And he might have locked out in the sense that the thing just crashed before he came into office. Right. But but the S&P went flying high. It was up like 43% in those two years. And he had Congress and obviously the, uh, the Senate and the House and himself. So, you know, I'm still looking for this infrastructure stuff to happen. I, I think personally, I've been reading and looking around. And in past talks we've had, we try to speculate whether Biden or and and. Uncle Mitch McConnell are friends. I've confirmed that they are good friends. So <laughs> oh, yeah? Can you they, reveal they, your they sources? They've known each other for 40 years, right? <laughs> Whatever. I mean, Biden was 50 years, but Joe uh, Mitch was has got to be 40, right? right. So they, they hang out. They hang out. So I wonder, I think what's going to happen here, despite the press and everybody and Madam Secretary uh, Pelosi, um, swinging the gavel. I think Biden may want this to go away. Like just get him out of the building. Let's get, and, and he knows, I think if he keeps that button pressed on impeachment, that's all anybody's going to talk about. Like, and, and if you're the president of the United States, don't you want to make a mark? Why do we keep talking about the guy I just beat? Basically his agenda, which, you know, 
we, we need his agenda, right? We, right. We need, I mean, we need he, he said that, you know, he, his first order of business is like roll out vaccines quicker, better, faster. Right. So if they're sitting get my there, cabinet, trial, get my cabinet so, picks confirmed. You can, you know, Mitch can hold all that hostage. All right. You want, you want to do right, it? You want to have an right, let's have a, let's have a hearing and the country will go a month without what you want to do. And, and how about this? Mitch will be like, okay, um, in hearings such as these, the president, the, the, the outgoing president gets to come in and talk. Right? He gets to defend himself. <laughs> So what a sh- that's a charade. That's like crazy. And and I don't think Biden wants that. I, I think he, he and he, I think he would be smart to just be like, all right. Yeah. You know what, Nance, we're not going to do this. Uh, but that was nice. Thanks. Thanks for letting the world know. And I don't want to hear anybody say his name again. How about that? <laughs> now, now, one thing, though, is, so the, you know, McConnell, I mean, I I really dislike McConnell, but I definitely respect his intelligence. And this, he's a ta- he's a brilliant tactician is the reason he was pleased, remember they said he, he, the reports are that he's pleased about the impeachment. It's because if you get convicted by the Senate, you can't hold the public office ever again. Right. And that means no circus, a Don, Don, Don's going to run again in 2024. That doesn't stop Don Jr. from running, which <laughs> probably will happen. Right? So McConnell would like to just exercise him from the party. And, and I've always said this to people that, um, you know, it's a grand bargain and devil's whatever you want to call it is McConnell got everything he's going to get out of Donald Trump. And he got a lot. He got his judges. He got gigantic tax cut. He got the rollback in legislation. I'm mean, sorry, in, in, in regulation and across all spectres, sectors. Um, there's really not much more to get from Donald Trump except a lot of agita. Right. So I think to a large extent before all this happened, you know, I, I don't think Mitch didn't need him so much anymore. Now, I think there is a little animosity between the two of them blaming each other for losing their jobs. Yep. Right? Now Mitch has to talk and be nice to Chuck. Chuck Schumer is going to be the head of the Senate. Now. So Mitch becomes minority leader. And he liked that. He liked that top job. Well, that's huge because when you're, when you're the majority leader, when you're, when you're party, you, you then have the top seat in all the committees um, the subcommittees, the the um, the majority leader sets the schedule. If he doesn't want your bill to come out, it'll never it'll never come out of committee. It'll never see a vote on the floor, or it'll see a vote on the floor after these five things get done. So it's a big deal, even though it's a very slim margin, and everything has to be you know broken, a tie broken by the vice president. And there's a lot of a lot of legislation that you need. You, you have to, what's called cloture. You you can have unlimited debate, a filibuster. And you need 60 votes to stop the debate and bring the vote to the floor. So the Senate, 50-50 in the Senate, is not, except for confirming like cabinet posts and stuff, they've, viol- they've kind of eased back the filibuster. As long as the filibuster's alive, there's still a lot of things that the Republicans can do to kind of hamper, hamper Big Joe. There's a lot of talk about possibly impeaching or at least bringing the impeachment to the Senate after Trump is actually out of office and whether or not that can actually happen. Is that what you guys think will happen, if anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that could be a an issue again with the markets um, because then if you're impeding like an infrastructure bill can't get passed. And, and I think if everybody was focused, Democrats and Republicans, 
they get something through, like another stimulus package. But the, the real big thing is like a they keep talking about this infrastructure, which is like building highways, roads, fixing up train stations, doing all kinds of stuff. But they'll get that through if they can get you know enough Republicans to say, yeah, OK, we can we can deal with that. We can deal with this. And that's going to really reopen the economy, get a lot of these jobs back which is what people kind of care about, right? Like, they, yes, people are angry about what happened on Wednesday, but is it? it's not putting more food on their table either, right? So they can sit there and they can yell at the guy and be like, he, he should be impeached, but, like, my job at the, you know, store still isn't back yet because somebody got COVID. I guess my question <laughs> is, what's the price of accountability, right? How much does that factor into things? There has to be consequences. Otherwise, it's probably not going to go away. We're going to see another attack somewhere probably pretty soon. And uh, to not even dissuade it, doesn't that put fear and anxiety into people that isn't going to help anything? Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, let's not forget, it's going to be 20,000 federal troops will be in D.C. Like, they're going back to the Civil War the last time and you saw the pictures. You saw the pictures of, of soldiers sleeping, sleeping in the Capitol. The floor, they're, they're, yeah. they're, there's yeah, more there. They said that there are in Iraq right now. Yes, there's more and troops at the Capitol than there is in Iraq. So eventually, you know, to to bring it bring it back to the markets is uh, eventually these pictures. If if there is indeed, and and I believe it could be, if if, if all of a sudden there's a lot of violence, um, and it, it has to basically at some point begin to resonate with the markets that, you know, we, we I'm not going to say we have a civil war, but we certainly have roving bands of people who could do a lot of bad yeah, things. Yeah. That causes lockdowns right there, right? I'm not going to work if I can get shot. Right. You know, nobody's going to expect me to. So how do you get products out? How do you, it's like another COVID, you know, it's like yeah. everything is shut down again. I'd be, yeah. So I think, you know, we, and that's why I've been kind of, um, you know, the whole with interest rates going up, I've been f- fading that, which means you, you're kind of betting against it. And um, I've actually been buying a uh, – it's had a bit of a rough time with markets, but I've been buying an ETF called TLT, Thomas Larry Thomas. And that actually is an ETF, that exchange-traded fund, that gets you long. You you own basically twenty about a 20-year duration um, U.S. Treasury bonds. So as rates went up due to the blue wave and those long rates started increasing – I think I think they're going to come back because a what we're just talking about um, b uh, the Federal Reserve there's a certain amount of, there's a certain rate level where the Fed is going to start caring again um, the Fed the Fed was pleading for more stimulus more relief for months now um, because they like we we can't do it alone like we're you know our programs only go so far you got to spend the money well now they're going to spend the money. And now the Fed's probably going to have to do their part, which is they're going to have to buy a lot more. They, they buy Treasury, but they buy 80 billion Treasury bonds every month and 40 billion mortgage-backed securities every month. That's called quantitative easing. And the Fed now has a balance sheet of $7 trillion. And to put that in perspective, before the 2008 crisis, the Fed balance sheet was about $800 billion. So $800 billion to $7 trillion now. If they think that the the longer interest rates, which have a lot to do with the mortgage market, you know, rates that you borrow at um, corporations, you know, it it affects the treasury market, affects everything. And if those longer rates start going up, I think the Fed's going to come in and they're going to buy more. 
and keep it under control. So that's actually a, uh, an investment that I've, I've done okay with. I've been, you know, it's, I've been buying more as it, as, as it's gone down, I've been buying more kind of counter trading against this, uh, this what we call a steepening of the yield curve, meaning that the longer dated, like the 30 year bond is going up in yield more than the two year bond. That's what the yield curve is. That's something that I would like to get into with you guys a little bit as far as like strategy for deciding what to invest in or what factors into it. Are you doing a lot of outside analysis going with proven strategies that have worked for you before or go with going with your gut? What and how long do you decide? You know, I know this is like a four part question. Do you decide going into it how long you're going to hold on to a certain stock? Yeah, I think you, I, t- I tend to start from the big macro picture, like what's happening, like what's what's going on and what should cause certain things to move up or down. Then I'll look at, you know, like what they call um, fundamentals of the business. So you look at, I like to look at the price earnings ratios, the lower the better, but not negative. Um, so anything at a 15 PE and lower is pretty good. Um, now that strategy, that's called more like a value strategy. You're looking for like beat up stocks or stocks that aren't really trading high, high, but they're going to, you feel like they're going to. That strategies work very well over history. Only the last 20 years growth, which is the opposite kind of like, we don't care where the, if the company makes any money, we just know like it's going higher, like most of these tech stocks. So as you can probably guess, the value thing, like the old school way of like looking at, you know, companies that make things and make money and they'll, they'll someday, you know, go higher. Like uh, Buffett was pretty big on that stuff, right? Buffett bought Coca-Cola like many years ago and the thing just keeps going up and the dividends keep going up and they just piles up. money. But lately, right, that Coca-Cola stock has been shit. Right. And all the guys are buying Tesla. Like, what are you doing buying Coke, dude? Coke sucks. Like Tesla. Like, come on, bro. Let's go. So what's really happened in the last three months, though, is a big shift. Now, that doesn't mean that Tesla hasn't gone up a lot, but there has been a big shift from those growth stocks back more to the value game. The bank, the banks, right? Yep. And, and so when we, when if you think that interest rates and the higher and the longer end, 30 years, are going to go higher and that. The Fed has basically said in the shorter end. So let me backtrack a quick second. The Federal Reserve controls like the overnight interest rates, Fed funds rate, whatever. They can control it. They can move it up and down. The shortest term. The shortest term. They can't unless they pull it, as Eric was saying, this quantitative easing stuff. They can't really control the long end of the market. They can say things. They can buy to try to keep the yields lower but at the end of the day the thing that they control is the front end the short the very short end banks make money because they borrow short and lend long so if a yield curve so let me do this what's considered short like overnight sometimes a month oh, wow. two months yeah i mean you think about it, like the banks have got big um, you know consumer consumer operations that they have checking accounts some of their a lot of their funds don't pay any interest or, or if they do pay a rate of interest right now whether it's cds or th- i mean they're paying like 35 basis points 0.35 percent for, right. for one year money so yeah i mean even if you just look at the yield curve 
from the perspective of like Richie's saying that overnight or very short one month, two month versus like two years when that starts increasing three years, five years, and that starts going up, that's called net interest margin. And the banks have been just getting crushed for a long time now because they don't have the, the interest rates are so flat. Right. So it's called flat. flat. Yeah. Like yeah. Flat. flat. So the, right. So the yield curve starts increasing that that's positive for the banks. And that's one of the reasons why with the blue wave, you've seen the, the banks uh, who had gotten beaten up pretty bad are now starting to do pretty well. It'll be one of my picks in a few short minutes. Oh, nice little tease there. All right. Yeah. Hey, All one, right. one thing um, that I wanted to bring up, and this is more of a, maybe a teaching moment. So <laughs> we've been talking a lot about Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies there's Bitcoin and then um, the other, another, I think the second most popular is Ethereum. And there are two ETFs of, remember we've talked about this exchange traded funds and the company that makes these funds uh, and that's the sponsor is called Grayscale. So Grayscale has two um, ETFs. One is for Bitcoin and the other is for Ethereum and ETHE Edward Thomas, Harry Edward is the ETF for Ethereum. Now, the problem, what happened, and, and people just got destroyed on this Ethereum ETF, because there's, with, with a normal ETF, there's, there's a, we, it's a little too complicated to go in for this one, but there's a, there's a mechanism that is in place with the market that an ETF that lets, like, let's say the most, one of the most popular ETFs, QQQ, the, the NASDAQ, right? That enables investors to buy the NASDAQ, you know, but with relatively a little bit of money. They just buy, buy QQQ shares. If you look at where the ETF trades versus what the net asset value, you always have to look at where, the, where it trades versus the net asset value, what, what it holds, what it tracks. It really should be very close to each other. There shouldn't be much of a, quote, premium. And a premium is when the ETF is trading higher than the net asset value or a discount where the ETF is trading lower than the NAV. So QQQ, like the, the, if it's trading at a premium, it's like 0.00009% or something. It's right on top. This Ethereum ETF, ETHE, was trading at a 200, and I believe the height was about 280% premium to the actual Ethereum coins which is just fucking insane. Now, if you're a retail investor and you don't even know to look at that, and let's face it, a lot of people don't. They, they want to get expo- exposure to crypto. They want to buy Bitcoin. But I can get, I can get exposure rel- for lo- relatively low cost through these exchange-traded funds. These exchange-traded funds are not, they don't have that mechanism that the other, like the QQQs have. It is not a market mechanism to... What, to keep these the, the net asset value and the um, and the value of the ETF in line, and that's how you end up with a two hundred and eighty percent premium. Because what happened was there there was a pro, it's a little it gets a little complicated, but there was a private placement for this for this thing, and there was there wasn't enough shares. There were only forty four million shares outstanding of this of this ETF. So no, the shares weren't increasing and people kept buying. They kept pushing it up. Well, on December 22nd, I think it was, the 47 shares, 116 million new shares were sold. 
So the guys that are in the private placement came out and that premium that guys had bought 280% went down to like 50%, which is still too high, but it went down in a matter of days. So to tell you how bad this is, since, so since uh, December 22nd, the ETHE, the, the, the ETF for Ethereum is down 42%. Down. You, you bought exposure. You, you wanted to get exposure to this great crypto market. You're down 42%, and Ethereum coin is up 88%. So how about that? Yeah. So if you, hold, if you held the coin, you'd be in the money. You invest in this stock-like instrument, and you're like, hey, I got, I got exposure to Ethereum. I, I'm great. How come it keeps going down? This sucks. This is <laughs> this is robbery. Now, yeah, it's it's a little involved, but it's 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 really important. It really has to do all it is. It's a supply and demand thing, like Eric said. Like they had a limited number of shares, so you're basically just you're like chasing rabbits. Like you're not you're not involved in anything other than some guys buying more today, and right. it's going up. You know what I mean? It's not like the coin has gone up so much. It's not even tracking it at that point. As you can see on the way down, it's not tracking it either. And it was funny because, well, not funny because when I first saw that, I was like, with my my other business, like, we're going to sue these motherfuckers. This is great. <laughs> and then we read, the, and then we read the disclosure. Disclosure says may track, may not track. Yeah. You know, we may we, we may drop if we want to. We may drop two hundred million shares on you tomorrow. If, you know, it's like it basically absolves them from anything. <laughs> some so, of these, if you if you read some of these prospectuses. It's hysterical. Like, it's like, you know, if we wanted to, we could buy Tesla tomorrow because we felt like it. It looked cheap. You know, they're not supposed to do that. But some of these things are open ended and people just don't care. Don't read them. This trades like a closed end mutual fund with with. So a closed end mutual fund says the the shares are finite. There's only a certain amount. It's closed. And that's it. It trades like a stock. But this would be like you're trading a stock and all of a sudden the company came out and diluted you, you know, basically just sold three times as many shares as already outstanding and you're going to get killed. So the lesson here is I know you want exposure to this stuff and maybe it's too expensive. And that's why like when we had Mauricio on talking about the forking so they can you know, create lower, it so costs less to buy one of these coins. But if you're looking to get exposure to, especially to crypto with these ETFs and, and just because the Ethereum one got wiped out, the Bitcoin one, uh, GB, GBTC, that's Grayscale Bitcoin, is up 33% since December 22nd, and Bitcoin, the coin, is up 65%. So, you know, at least you didn't lose money, but right. you think that thing's going to track, you're, you're set, and you really have to look at that. You probably have it on your Robinhood app or whatever app you're using when you want to buy these things. Always look at the net asset value versus the value and see if this thing is trading at a big premium or a big discount. And if it is, there's usually a problem. And it's usually going to end up being bad for you. It feels like everybody's trying to catch a wave, though. They are. Yeah. They and are. That, that, that's when things like this happen. I read a piece today. It's on Medium. I don't know anything about any of this stuff, but this uh, popped on CNBC, I believe. The Bitcoin Dream is Dead by James Surowiecki, I believe is his name. Uh, I just want to read a little bit of a passage here. And the reality is that Bitcoin has never really functioned as a currency. Almost from the beginning, only a small percentage of Bitcoin transactions have been for actual goods and services. And of those, many have been for illicit goods and services like drugs and online gambling. Most Bitcoin transactions have been trades, people simply buying and selling it. The blockchain analysis company 
chain chainalysis, for instance, found that in the first four months of 2019, just 1.3% of total transactions involved merchants. And that trend has only accelerated as the value of Bitcoin has soared. Strikingly, mm -hmm. despite the speculative fervor that has surrounded Bitcoin, the total number of transactions has risen only mildly over the past two years. And that number is so small relative to the total number of electronic bank and credit card transactions as to be barely worth mentioning. On average, there are now around 325,000 Bitcoin transactions, including trades, per day. There are roughly a billion credit card transactions per day. Yeah, I mean, you often see them on like very high-end items. Like you see these clowns trying to sell their Ferrari and they're like, I'll take uh, four Bitcoins or 160 grand. <laughs> to me, you know, so, 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 you know, like rich guys are holding Bitcoins. That's what that's telling. That's what this sounds like to me is like this, the high end um, art curation. Yeah, right. everything high end, very high end. But it's, here's the thing. And, and this goes back to what our, our guest Mauricio was telling us uh, on the last episode was that you hit it on the head, Aaron, right? Is that it's the value should be going up if blocked if, if blockchain transactions are increasing right because that that's what tells the miners I, if I'm getting if I remember it right as as the blockchain increases they mine for more it, 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 it incents them to mine for more coins and to create more and at a certain point they we hit a, where there's no more bit no more Bitcoin and no more crypto will be produced but you're absolutely right the value of the Bitcoin should be, Really, the well, they call it the hash. Uh, you know, the, the, I, it was hash something. God, um, but the the value should be coordinated with the, the amount of the amount of commerce that's being that the that the current the crypto is being used for. Bigger blockchain, more computing power, costs more. That shows what this shows is that it it's completely divorced from that right now. It, it's trading. It's just it's it's really just there to trade. Um, it's like gold. If gold was a million times more volatile, it's really that, that that that's how it's trading. It's trading kind of as a store of value and not necessarily a, a currency right now. Um, and that look, we we went up forty percent last week, and uh, we got to forty thousand in Bitcoin. Bitcoin was trading around thirty one thousand, I think, late Monday, early Tuesday. So it yeah, dropped. Yeah. That UK regulatory. Board said, came right out and said, you can lose, be prepared to lose all of your money in Bitcoin. That was a, like a government agency, like not some clown who's short Bitcoin. It's, it's like the UK government saying, you, you, you be prepared to lose all of your money. Scary to hear. Yeah. Now, now the clown could be the, the clown of short Bitcoin could be the, uh, the, the Bank of England. <laughs> or, sure, sure. Essentially, the central banks are short from their position in that Bitcoin is challenging them and say, look, you know, we, we don't, our, our goal is to move away from these fiat currencies. It is, you know, uh, you know, the, no more inflation. You know, hey, we need more. You know, we, we want to expand the money supply. Basically, print more money. No, like Bitcoin. But that's that brings us back to. It's funny because a lot of the kids who are into Bitcoin now and love it. I hope they understand about what deflation is because if they ever got their wish to go to a Bitcoin currency where there's a finite amount of it and that's it. A lot of these kids owe a lot of money. Deflation is very bad when you owe a lot of money because the the money, the value of what you owe, what you owe, not what you own, what you owe, your liability increases. Right. And that's why 
you know, that, that, that's why we got off the gold standard in the first place is because 90% of the country got killed every time the value of gold went up and we hit these deflationary spirals and, you know, the farmers all of a sudden their price of corn went from 28 cents a bushel to five cents a bushel um, and they got killed. So just keep that in mind that you may, you may, you may get what you wish for and you may not like it. Which is uh, probably another point that we should bring up is the uh, Eric and I were talking about it this week um, when our richest man in the world, Elon Musk, said to buy Signal. And he was referring to a company that was private that is instrumental in battery, uh, electric batteries. The gang at the at the casino slash stock purchasing venue somebody put on one of these message boards this company that doesn't have anything to do with tesla and the ticker is s-i-g-l <laughs> where'd it go eric it went from what it like went, four to right. yeah end. so i actually i think okay. richie this, what what musk was this had to do with when um when Facebook, they're all kicking Trump off, you know, and, 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 and Elon Musk said, don't use WhatsApp anymore. Use this si- signal, which is, I, I think it's a messaging, it's, it's a non-for-profit messaging service. Yeah. All right. Signal, signal Advance, which is, well, for, I think there's some biomed company or they think. Yeah, they're, they're biomed. Yeah. Yeah. They're trading at 60 cents a share on January 6th. <laughs> it went up. They went up to, uh, by the end of the week, they were trading from 60 cents. They went to $7 and 19 cents. And on Monday, <laughs> it went to $38 and 70 cents. And now where are they now? <laughs> well, it went back down. But the fact that I mean, this was public on Monday, that he, Musk is not talking about this freaking penny stock. Right. I mean, this, so it went, it kept going. Two million shares traded, right? Went up to 38.70. Whoever the fuck, I mean, it's a penny stock. It's probably owned by, you know, like, you remember the Sopranos when they had the, you know, the, the, the like, it's probably a, a pump and dump stock. And these guys are holding it, you know, like, whatever, they own a few thousand shares. And all of a sudden, like, holy fuck, like, went to 38. So it went down to $8 yesterday. But, but still. But it went back up to four. It's trading at fourteen today. So, I mean, it's just yeah. These guys don't stop. These it's it's all this retail purchasing. Like they read it three days later, they're like, oh, oh, then it'll definitely go up. Like we talked about a while ago, like Hertz, Hertz, the rental car company. They went bust. They're bust. Their stock is at like fifty cents. Right? They they went bankrupt. They declared bankruptcy. All these guys got into a room and said. Dude, Hertz is cheap, 50 cents. <laughs> Traded up to $5. Then Hertz said, yeah, this is great, dude. We're going to issue stock at five bucks. The SEC had to come in and be like, dude, you can't do that. You're bankrupt. You can't do that. <laughs> well, You're like, come on. We can't do that. It's a five bucks. They're like, dude, you know your stock's worth like nothing. So, dude, you want to do it, go ahead. But you're going to get it. <laughs> and these sponsors are still in here buying it. Yeah, they were going to, that's right. They, they, so Hertz was going to try to put out $5 billion worth of stock, right? Like, hey, this is how we'll get it back. It was high price that they know was fake. <laughs> and the SEC made them put on there, 
there is a like the company is 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 the, the company is currently in chapter 11 you very well can lose every dot every cent like tomorrow <laughs> and that that finally stopped it but yeah that's yeah, that's yeah you better not you better not so i mean that's yeah. that's that's definitely the i mean who knows right the old adage is uh the market can stay irrational for longer than you have money right so you right. can sit there all day there's a lot listen a lot of smart, smart guys going back to Tesla, like a lot of smart guys, hedge fund guys who are like multi, multi-millionaires who've been making dough for a long time have gotten their asses handed to them by being short Tesla. Right. And all these guys that are long are like, see, you dumbass, like you're not that smart. And they are. It's just yeah. they look at the fundamentals. They go, there's no way. There was another article today I saw. Uh, and I, I, want, I didn't read it. I just saw the headline. It made a lot of sense. If you're such a Tesla believer... How come all the other big companies, stocks, car companies aren't going down? Because that's really what should be happening here. Because if you're if you're such a believer in Tesla, they're going to control the market. GM, Ford, Toyota, they should all be dead. But they're not. They they keep going up, but they keep making money. They're still making money. So something's got to give. I mean, but um, just a quick story, too. I was at a conference in 2015, the one uh, we talked about, Michael Bublé, who's right. like my new favorite Christmas singer. Right? A lot, of stories, a lot of stories came out of this conference. Yeah, yeah it was. The, the keynote speaker, before he became richest man in the world, Elon Musk. Hey, there you go. He was there, right, sitting on the stage, and it's the Barron Asset Fund. Ron Barron is a big-time mutual fund guy. He was in the paper yesterday... Yesterday wasn't this Saturday. Trump's pseudonym when he was pretending to be a publicist? What's that? Wasn't this a, he, Trump had a fake name when he was calling people as a as a publicist, quote unquote publicist? I think he had a fake name. I think it might have been like John Barron or something like that. Well, it's funny because the I just want to make sure this guy's a real guy. He's he's it's not, it's not Trump, Johnny Wad. Trump <laughs> Trump obviously has a lot less money these days with his commercial real estate. But the word is, and it's all private knowledge, but I heard that he does have a small stock portfolio and it's with this guy, Ron Barron. <laughs> so he, so he could have said that. He could have been like messing around. But they're, they're buddies. They're buddies. Like, obviously, Ron Barron is probably running away from that right now. But they're pals. I know. Okay. They, I think they, he, might, he might actually, Ron Barron may actually have an apartment and an office in Trump Tower. All right. Manhattan. So there's the connection. But go All on. Right, so he was in the paper for, and I'm invested in his funds, one of his funds. And he was in the paper for having the second best fund return in 2020. Ron Barron, his partner's fund. It's called the Barron Partners Fund. Of course, I'm not in that one, son of a bitch. <laughs> but I'm in the mid cap one, so you can't buy Tesla in the mid cap one because it's too big. You got the, you got the B team. Yeah, I got, I got the, the shitty small. It, it still did fine, but he doesn't run that one. He used to run it, but now he runs the partners fund, which is his own money. Right? His thing, I've always liked him because he, his theories and themes, which are which are good, I think, make sense. He goes, I, I realize like technology is a big thing. Technology is a great thing, and things change. He goes, but you can't really tell me who's going to be the best at that technology, like all these companies. So take it, for example, like the cloud, right? You got the cloud, all these guys compete. If 
for the cloud business. But there's big names in there, right? Amazon's got one. Microsoft's got one. All these guys. So, like, who's got the best one? IBM. Like, so his thing has always been management. Okay? Management makes a big difference. And the guy will never, almost never, I don't know how much work they do to, to make the inertial purchase, but he'll, like, never sell a stock. Like, if he believes in them, unless I guess if the management changes, then, well, bets are off. That's the guy I liked. Right. They said that he bought at the IPO in Tesla $2.5 billion. Okay. It is now worth that stake $48 billion. He's the biggest holder. He's he's bigger than than Elon, I think. He's the biggest or second biggest to, to Elon holder of that stock and he's never sold a chip and i sit there and i read this guy's stuff right like like he he knows like he looks at fundamentals and i'm like every time i'm like dude like what do you see like this guy's smoking doobies like he's <laughs> tweeting out like i'm gonna sell the company at 420 dollars a share it was a complete lie i'm like so that that fund last year returned 140 percent or something like that and most of it was his money yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I think that you could look at an Elon Musk the way, like, turn of the century, last century, people looked at Thomas Edison, right? Like, this dude, after a while, like, anything, he he just keeps coming out with, you know, whether it's space travel, whether it's cars, like, he just, he's just got it. And so, I, yeah, right, I think, I think Ron Barron is just like, I, I don't really give a shit what you call the company. It, it's no, all, yeah. Elon, all of Elon's running it. And Elon says, I want to, now there's some things Elon does that he says, I'm not looking, I'm not in this to really make money. I'm in this to do so, but he's obviously in it to make money at Tesla. Um, so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's a great, an excellent point. He's invested in the management. He's invested yeah. in Elon Musk. I'm sure a lot of people are not, you know, people just see the stock going up and they're like, I'll just buy some more. It's going up and up and up and up. And not to shit on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin just getting back a little bit. Like I, I put it, I, I own some of it, but I, I buy the coin and I put it in, I, I just put it in my retirement, I just put it in my retirement account. I just add it like I had some gold. And you're buying the coin. You're yeah, yeah. I, and I just, I, I just let it sit there because, it, you know, either if the crypto happens or it doesn't, but it does seem to be potentially a good hedge against inflation. Um, I, I probably should pick the, because right now it's a competitor of gold, so I probably should pick one or the other, but right now I, right. Have, I have both. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another, uh, you know, more, more about trading. And I know you're talking Aaron about, you know, um, timeframes, like, you know, what, what, what's your time frame on an investment? And, uh, you know, general people tell you if you're for the long term, for your long term, as you're building a 401k, um, you should own a percentage of gold. Uh, you should right. own a percentage of, you know, if, if, if shit hits the fan, like I actually, and, and ETFs are really good with, with this is, uh, and, and I know the ETF that I own, uh, GLD, they actually own physical bullion. They, it's not, it's not, con, you know, derivative contracts. And, um, you can also buy, uh, you know, like one good hedge against the dollar is the, is the Japanese yen. So like there's an ETF called FXY. Um, and that basically your, your long yen, your, your owner of yen against, against dollars. So stuff like that is always good to have around just because if the shit hits the fan, for, there's a lot of reasons we won't go into this in this program, but there's a lot of reason why, like, why does the yen always go up whenever, whenever, whenever the world melts down? And there's a few answers for that, but right now let's just say that it does, <laughs> you know, generally, <laughs> um, it does. And, and it's a good, it's a good hedge to have 
you know, if 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 things get really shitty again or See, also some good rules of thumb too are and they changed over time, but you should really have a hundred minus your age percentage wise in stocks. People try to jack that thing to 110, 120. I don't like that. You think in so, terms of your overall capital? Yeah. So if you're 40 years old, you should have 60% in stocks. Now, what's the other kind of small pieces, like Eric said, to, to save yourself, you know, maybe 5% gold or Bitcoin or something like that. Um, a lot of people did in the older days um, bonds, right? They'd take the other percentage and go with bonds. Um, and then what you're supposed to do is rebalance if there's a big move one way or the other annually. So say stocks go way up, you're supposed to trim the tree because now your percentage is out of whack. So you sell more stock and you just keep it at that age, your appropriate age. Now, it's you know, if you turn 41, are you supposed to have 59 percent? Yes. But if you track it that way and then you keep those stocks that you love for like forever, and that, that's what you, you're supposed to do. Right. And that over time will produce great returns because you're in the market and beating inflation. Stocks have beaten inflation for years. Um, but you could also, you know, if you're feeling lucky and you want to take a small piece of that stock portfolio, it doesn't have to be all for the long term. So that's what, you know, I think a lot of these people today are taking their 100% of their stock portfolio and rolling dice, right? They're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. tomorrow I'll buy this. Today I'll sell that. Tomorrow, What's up tomorrow? Okay, okay, let's get on that. And that's uh, that always ends in tears. And this will too. I mean, it'll, it's, it's not gonna, like, like somebody said, like uh, if, if Tesla goes up the same way it went up last year for the next 10 years, there'll be like a $56 trillion company. And that's bigger than like most all um, indexes combined in the world. Like it'll be like the, it'll be its own market, be its own world. And it's not, it's not going to happen. It's just not, I don't know. I don't, I can't tell you the time where it's going to change, but it's going to change. I bet you your buddy, Ron Barron can tell you. Maybe, maybe you'll know if that thing is going down big one day, you'll know old Ron Barron's hitting the button. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Elon, that was a, that was a nice run. Thanks buddy. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're done now. Or he's, or he's croaked. <laughs> now, one, one last, Aaron, just to um, continue with your, your question. Um, yes, please. The, the um, God, nobody, Richie, nobody talks about Peter Lynch anymore. Remember Peter Lynch? I, was, I mean, Fidelity Magellan, one of the greatest fund managers of all time. And he seemed like, for all intents and purposes, to be a great guy, too. Like, yeah, yeah. He was like, kind of like you know, a nice uncle. And he, what he said was, he basically was saying, invest in what you know. Yeah, like, great advice. And, 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 you know, I remember he was talking about, uh, and this, so this is years ago. So the, the companies he was talking about then and now, and now oh, they're also tits up. But his wife went to the store and I think it was for, it was for apparel. I think he bought, um, oh God, what was the, I mean, they're all gone now, but back then they were, they were huge. Uh, the gene, like the gap and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His wife was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna go. Like, I'm not going to Corvettes anymore." Like, she like she basically named every single store chain that was going to go out of business. Yeah, that sucked. <laughs> and named almost every apparel company that was going to. Now we're talking about the 80s, early 90s, I think. Yeah. 80s, the Gap. She named them all, 
And now, granted, he's he's watering it. He's he's being humble. But he goes, he he played those because he goes, my wife's a freaking expert. She knows she she goes into the, she goes into the supermarket. She knows these guys are going to survive. Those guys are going to die. And and I, and I think that's a really important point is like I understand banking very well. I understand the mortgage market very well and interest rates. That's what I know. That's my expertise. So I think I'm pretty good at evaluating banks, um, especially the large banks that have, you know, big trading and, and um, uh, you know, underwriting businesses, you know, the, the, the big, you know, the, the big, uh, the too big to fail guys. Um, but also like a, 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 a stock that I've been buying, I keep buying it and I buy, a, I also buy the preferred stock, which is, it, it's, it, it's ahead of the common stock where if, if the company goes bankrupt, um, but it pays, and it doesn't trade as frequently, so it's not as liquid. But it it, it pays a very high, uh, in this case, a very high dividend or yield. Um, the company's called AGNC, Apple, George, Nancy, Charlie, and they're what's called a mortgage REIT. And REIT? essentially, it's really, real estate investment trust. Yes, and um, and and what they are is, it's really like a hedge fund that they really much operate like a hedge fund. Um, but A, when the Fed started buying mortgages, again, $40 billion at a time, mortgage-backed securities, that's what these guys own. And interest rates went to zero, which is where these guys fund at. They, so all of a sudden, the cost of funding for them went way down. The Fed is buying what they own, so that went way up. If this yield curve, as Richard's talking about, keeps steepening, they do better. And they pay a high, the common pays a high dividend as well. Um, I think it's about 11, 12% yield. And when you have Tina, remember Richie talked about Tina, there is no alternative. When, in, when, when risk-free rates are so low, people look for high dividend paying stocks. And that's why I knew that this, these guys, and and also I, I know the guy who runs it. We used to be friends. He's the he's the most one of the most brilliant traders I've ever seen. And he knows this market like like the back of his hand. They're, they're the best in class. These are big companies. Richie, he, he and I were friends from Freddie Mac, and then uh, later on in in two thousand seven and eight, when Richie and I were doing the blog, and I was writing that Freddie and Fanny were going to go tits up. Like and I think they were <laughs> because we just we just did the math. We're like they don't have the capital to do. like this is already happening and it's just a matter of time. And uh, I think he got a little upset with me. Tits up. That's a technical term. Yeah. Tits, Tits up. up. Pear shaped <laughs> in the drink. But I, I've done I've done very well with that stock. Uh, and I, I I buy I buy the preferred shares for my um for, for my my retirement account. I just buy them and I put them in there. And it, they pay a, you know, they, they trade at a discount right now. I mean, like the par value is 25. They trade, I started buying them in the high teens. And the yield on that was like, it was like 20% yield. And I know these guys are good. And I know that they are invested in a market that is completely supported by the Fed. So again, that's because I, I know the management and I know the business. And that's, so, so that's where I, you know, what I try to do is I try to listen to everything Richie says and I pick the areas that I kind of know. Okay, I, I know a lot about this. I know whether to get long or short that particular. Episode. And the point is, too, Aaron, that m- most people are not close to doing this. And I, and like what Eric said about Peter Lynch, he was like a big time. He became like a rock star in the investment world. He worked he, for Fidelity, 
like old older guy, gray hair, glasses, look like, you know, like a nice uncle. Right. And he started saying that stuff, like buy what you know. Uh-huh. And I, I tell you one stock that he bought that's still do, still around. He was a runner. He was a thin guy. I think he would run in like the Boston Marathon and stuff like that. He bought some Nike shoes in like nineteen eighty three. They were comfortable. He liked them. <laughs> I think that company has gone up about a thousand percent since then. Maybe so, more. Yeah, it is as simple as that sometimes. It's kind of what I, I wanted to get into and we kind of shot it down because it doesn't appear that there's a lot of uh, publicly traded companies like this. But since we've been doing the show, I started thinking in terms of that, like what's in my life and like that can relate to other people that, I, you know, would be valuable to other people. And one of the things that I was thinking Maybe there is something out there that you guys aren't thinking of or that um, will come to light is massages because we my wife and I walked around Lowe's and Target and it was the most that we've walked in probably a year the other day. And uh, we're sitting in the car just like, oh, man, I'm so tired (laughs) from walking in the mall from walking around. (laughs) I mean, it says something about our level of fitness and how much we're working out for sure. But. Um, I think it's a pretty common experience that people are sitting around the house a lot more and they're tired and a lot of people aren't going to get massages because of coronavirus, things like that. So like, I'm like, oh, I bet like when we return to some kind of normalcy, that's something that'll come back in a big way. I'm starting to think like that a little bit more. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's the and and what that teaches you too. If they like change their product or something, and you're loving them, and you're a big fan, and you're now the expert of that product, then you sell. Like it's like, dude, what are you guys doing? Or like your favorite, you know, boss man is not there anymore, and you're like, why did he leave? Like what's going on? But it's much different analysis than. Hey, it went up ten today. Let's. I bet it goes up <laughs> ten tomorrow, and I bet the next win tonight too. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you notice too, a lot of these articles that talk about the increase in Robinhood app, uh, investors is the uh, the lack. It was it's it all started when the sports shut down. Right. Like there was no sports to bet on. So then, right. like, think about that. Yeah, the, the NBA and the NHL fail. Right. Like, let's they, say- yeah, they were done. Right. So there was nothing, and that's why like ESPN bought out like Korean baseball. Yeah. Right. They had like Korean baseball was the only thing going on for a while. <laughs> yeah. They, like, I mean, through it and they were fine. So you had guys betting Korean baseball. And then somebody, I mean, a lot of somebody's were like, what about the stock market, dude? These things going up. <laughs> so it stopped when they were, uh, when they started showing professional cornhole. Remember? Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, fuck this. I'm buying I, Tesla. I swear. I swear. There's this one. I'm, I'm buying Google options that are 10% out of the money and expire in three days. Like, exactly. <laughs> I swear. I met this woman with her husband at the local tavern. And she is on little things. She's like this tiny woman. She is like a professional cornhole player. And I was like asking her, and I, I like talked to her for like half an hour. With like the husband, like is her manager or whatever, and like he's a cop. And she and I'm like, what? She's like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm in a big tournament an hour hour away from here on this weekend. If I win, I go to the national tournament in Vegas or something like that. She's like, is it going to be on TV? She's like, yeah. ESPN. This is awesome. I said, can I go? She goes, you can go to the one in Florida. She goes, I don't think the one in Vegas, they're going to have fans. I'm like, I might want to go to this. They serve beer. She's like, Oh yeah. So with your, with, with back to the, I mean, I, I know there's lots of 
success, big chains, um, big fran- you know, franchisers that, that uh, and I, I have a, an old friend who's in Virginia and he actually, I think it's called Massage Envy. I think it's called Massage Envy. I'm screwing him because I got a chance to actually plug his thing and I can't remember what the name of his company is. Um, but there, I have a feeling, Richard and I were talking about this before, is that a lot of these guys, are they're private. Yeah, they're like mom and pop shops. Right. Or I wouldn't be surprised if they're not, if they're more than a mom and pop shop, but they're owned by private equity. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. what you do there is you keep keep in tune to the markets, watch the news. This IPO market is flying right now. Right. Okay. Initial public offerings flying. So if you see anybody do that, bring a private massage company public, you might want to get it. Yeah. If that if you're so, yeah, if your view, Aaron, is that. that yeah. And you, and you know what these places are like and you look at them and check them out and you're like, oh, yeah, I know that place. Right. I've been there. They're not bad. Oh, I didn't know there were there were owned 500 of them were owned by this one hedge fund. Right. Equity. Yeah. So that could happen. All of a sudden you might, you know, maybe after this broadcast. <laughs> might be going on right now. Steve Schwarzman may be selling. A, <laughs> uh yeah, but th- I would definitely watch for that. And also, remember, we talked about SPAT, SP, these blank check companies, which also right. uh, that could come out as an IPO and just, just check them out. Like you see, they'll tell you when, as they gave it, so and so is launching a SPAC and that's an IPO, you can get in and maybe if you could find where, hey, 15% of this we're going to focus on on wellness and spa type uh, that, that we own or we know where they are. They're owned by Blackstone or they're owned by. Um, whoever, and you know, we we want to buy these guys and bring them public. So that's something to watch. It's, it's a great question, and I think it's going to happen. I, 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 you know, like if you think about it, right? A lot of these um, Planet Fitness, a lot of the gyms that are now in trouble, they were public. You know, same story. Like they were owned by a few guys, they were franchises, and all of a sudden they roll them up into a big IPO, and now you can buy the stock. Mm-hmm. Like Peloton, think about Peloton, right? That's crazy. Yeah, it just it just makes sense to me because like everybody is going to want to treat themselves and live their Absolutely. best life after all this stuff. Everybody's gone through some kind of stress and trauma. I oh. I just had I had one a massage the other day. How did it feel? It was the first time in like oh, really? a year, right? Um, they I asked, I asked, I was like, "Do you guys have other?" And they're like, "No, no, no where it's so it's just their place." This mom, it's called like Heavenly Feet Massage, but they do all kinds of stuff. This guy, he was about 4'10", 90 pounds. Okay? And I'm like, all right, I don't think this is going to work, dude. Like, I'm a big dude. I, 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 four times. He picked Archie up and threw him down on the table. Yeah, four times. I, was, I, I almost raised the hand. Like, no, no, stop. Please, please. He was killing me. He was, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. It was like, I'm like, I'm coming back, bro. I want you the next time, too. He's like, you're pretty good. I could tell he was like, that's a workout for him, boy. He was yeah. like, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> his elbow going into me, like the hot rocks. I'm like, go, oh, good Lord. <laughs> I was doing it for like three days. <laughs> so I, I, I'm with you, Aaron. I'm with you on this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research this, especially right when we get off this call. All right. I, I need your expertise. Go, so. invest in and uh, make a lot of money. Maybe they'll give us like uh, free discounts or something. Right. On that end, let's give uh, a couple of Richie's picks. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about IPOs. We we're talking about SPACs, talking about banks. I think the bank market, now that it's coming back, is ripe for some good old fashioned merger business. A lot of these smaller banks that do make some good coin that have like 
certain geographic spots that they work in. And some of the bigger banks don't have a footprint in there, but they kind of like what they see. And they sometimes in these mergers, they don't even change the name of the bank, right? Because if it's like a little neighborhood bank, they're just like, yeah, let's just call them the same. We just own them. One you know, absorbs like, the other, right? Because yeah. you don't want to lose like uh, old man Joe, who's been banking there for 60 years. He's like, why did it change? Right. You know? So there's a stock that I, I looked at today that I think is a good candidate for that. I think they're in, I'm going to say, Conyers, Arkansas. I saw that today. The It's Home, home Bank. I believe the ticker is H-O-M-B. They're very small. 300 million, maybe 350 million market cap, which sounds like a lot, but it's not. So they could be taken out at any time. What, I think they're around 20 something, Eric. Can you see it? Yeah, 2133. And, 2133. And right. Market cap is they're worth about three and a half billion dollars. Three and a half billion. Okay, I was off by All right. <laughs> then last week we had, uh, last time we were on, which we'll talk about in a second too, we had the. Um, Gilead was a name I threw out there. G-I-L-D. They're a, they're a company that kind of lost its way in this whole vaccine thing. So, but my point was they still make money and they still make other drugs for other diseases. You know, I know that Corona's front and center with everybody, but people are still getting other stuff. So they're going to need those drugs. It's done pretty well since we talked about it. Um, but there's another company that was in the forefront of the vaccine thing in March. And I thought they were going to be the ones that delivered the first one, but something went off. I don't know what. So the stock dropped. But today they just announced a deal with the government. So I, I want, I'm assuming they're going to be like the next in line for their vaccine. And it's a company called Regeneron. And the ticker is R is in Richard, E is in Edward, G is in George, N is in Nancy. And they, they hold a special place in my heart because they're from Tarrytown, New York, which is about 20 minutes from where I grew up. Uh, but there was a – and where, where are they now, Eric, today? Five-something? Five, uh, 500 and almost 517. 517, right. So it, it popped a little this morning with this um, announcement, but I think they're back on. Like they're going to make – and they, again, they also make other drugs. And a lot of these drug companies, you know – some of these speculative ones don't make money. This company makes a lot of money, as does Gilead. Like it, it's a real business. Like it's not just the virus. And then we always have to be somewhat negative on something. Um, <laughs> so this, I was talking about this stock yesterday, and the guy says to me, "Dude, are you nuts? Like that's the Tesla of China." And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, dude, the Tesla of China. Dude, they're making electric cars over there. I go, yeah. And I said, do you realize, like, there's a Tesla of Tesla of China? Tesla has a big plant there, bro. They're making cars there. And guess what? They're cheaper than this company. So there's three of them. There's three main ones in China that are competing against Tesla. They're all, they all seem to be more expensive because, the, I guess, I don't know if they put in extra stuff. I don't know. They, they were talking about something like you can rent the battery, which made it cheaper. But I don't know. so one of them is NIO. They went from four dollars to sixty-two dollars. NIO has. They're like the leader in 
competing with Tesla in, in China. There's another one called XPEV, same idea. They make no money. And then the one who really doesn't make any money is this company, Lee, L-I, Larry Igloo. I'm going to short Larry Igloo once we get off this call. And they were up a lot, like, yesterday or two days ago. And I was like, great, even better, because I was going to do it the other day, and I didn't. Now it's a higher price, and I'm going to smack this thing. Because I just don't. Well, right. well, the problem is they don't have – I, I, I don't know who the guy who runs it is, right? They, there's no Musk there. I'm going to tell you who's running it. They're like, no, 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 dude, you can't do that. You can't short a, a guy named A guy named Lee is running Lee. Lee Zhang and, his, <laughs> and the CFO co-founder is Ty Lee. There so you Lee go. Zhang and Ty Lee – and a bit of uh, Yan Yan Sheng in the middle, in the middle for the, for the Lee sandwich. Um, awesome. You know what? I, I'm going to throw that one throw, Let me throw a, uh, a stock in there, too. Another bank stock uh, down here. Oh, we're getting Eric's pick. Well, I've been looking. I, I, I've bought a little, but um, Prosperity Bank down here. Oh, in, Prosperity uh, Bank, yeah. Uh, they were uh, on my uh, list, too. Out of Houston. They're, they're yeah. a candidate, too, right, for takeover. Yeah, yes, I, I think so. And they got they got banged up, obviously, because they do a decent amount of oil patch lending. Um, but they also have an excellent branch network. I mean, they've got a, good, a lot of good retail biz. And I, I think that, um, you know, if you look at uh, the migration to Texas from, you know, pretty much all around the country, all the higher costs like California, New York, you know, the population in Texas is growing. Um, and I think these guys could be uh, either – they either be, be be taking over other other companies, right? They can be a ticker, right. right? I think they may be doing that and get, getting more into consumer finance uh, right now. But you know, they they have these relatively low cost funds that you have right now, and uh, you know that's another one for a franchise. So that's that's trading right now at seven, uh, seventy bucks. Um, it's come bucks. back. It's What's come back. PB? Uh, PB. Paul PB. Baker. It's come. I mean, it's come back from its. I mean, it's sixty five percent or sixty three percent higher from from the lows in March, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's still lags significantly. One yeah. that I, I one that I missed out down here, which really I think is the best one, is is, is Frost Bank, Cullen Frost Bank, CFR. But they're all, they're up. They've rallied very very strongly since uh, since kind of October November. But again, yeah, that's those are the types of things I think you you want you want to look for. We got a bonus pick from Eric this week. I mean, we're getting tremendous. The, the listener is getting tremendous value from all the from all the pearls of wisdom to an extra pick from Eric. I mean, this is this is the most valuable episode to date. I think people are going to get rich off this shit. There we go. Can we do the, uh, the the Richie the old school new school SmackDown? Um, oh yeah, I, 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 I do. I do. We right. need an update on it for proof of performance. Right. I, I, have an, I have an update when you're updating. Go. Okay. <laughs> so the challenger, Mauricio, New School, ASML, um, which is a really interesting company. The more I looked at it, the more he talked to me about it. I, I got in on that. Uh, he's up 5.2% on ASML. Not bad. Not bad. However, Keurig, the, uh, the U.S., the ADR for Keurig, which is Paul, Paul, Roger, Uncle, Ye- uh, Yellow, or Yalu, PPRUI is down 4.4%. Uh, and Netflix is down 6.4%. Uh, yeah, he got caught in that whole uh, tech. Yes. That, that. Now, the returning champion, Richard Bennett, old school, 
Zoom is easy. You've taken the, you've taken the ding with Zoom. The, the short on Zoom is down 5.7% as of this morning. This morning. However, Gilead is up 7.8%, I believe, if I got that right. And Sprout Farmer's Market up 1.6%. Hey. hey, it's two weeks, right? So yeah. right now, uh, the uh, old school is beating new school. Um, and uh, I continue to profit off of, I, I think I've I think I've basically, well, I own 80% of Richie's picks, um, I'd say. Uh, and the one I freaking missed out on was URI, which was just, you know. Yeah, every every time just, I look at that, I kick myself in the ass. <laughs> I know. But uh, I want to go rent a truck every time I look at that. <laughs> and the back I, I'm afraid because I think the store is full. They're probably out of trucks. <laughs> wow. that, I so, think, what we, day was it, Richie? Was it the fifth? The Blue Wave Day when they had the big rotation? Yeah, yeah. It was up. Richie's like, 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 I'm up. It doesn't matter. I'm short, long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a great day. I was like, I'm up at everything. I'm at, shorts are up. The longs are up. This is this is like a day you want a bottle. There's a civil there's a civil war going on in the Capitol. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, jump on there, shoot that one, shoot this one, get him, get him out of there, arrest him. Um, but we didn't set parameters, so we'll have to do that next time when yeah. when the new school boys up to the challenge to come back and fight it out. But in my actual portfolio, I'll keep it for now in the contest, um, so we can keep going. But I actually did get out of Zoom yesterday. Okay. And I got out of Sprout Farms yesterday because I was just tired of watching it go. Well, in Zoom's case, against me, Sprout Farms kind of like sideways. But I, I'll always relook at them. Yeah. And Aaron, that's a whole nother game. But um, I also look at what they call technical factors, mm-hmm. which are charts. Right. So it happened. So I blend in all those things we talked about before, you know, price to earnings, macroeconomics. Do I like the company? Do I like the sector? Do I like this? Is it been beaten up? Has it been? But I also look at charts telling me momentum for the for the stock. So the great thing about charts is they they can't lie. So basically what they take is the the the, the, the we use a moving day average kind of chart thing. And all it does is it takes the simple average of however many days you want to look back at the closing price of the stock. Right. So it's going to catch it if there's a trend. And a lot of people look at a 200 day moving average. I'll look at that. Also, there's a 50 day that people tend to look at. So you look at the inflection points of when they cross or they, you know, go cross down or cross up. And I base a lot of that. That's kind of like the last thing I look at when I'm thinking about buying or selling. It's the last, not the first. It, well, if I'm in a hurry, I'll do the first because I'll know if the chart stinks, I'm not going to buy it. Probably. Right. But but I like to like get excited. You know, like I, I do all this work and then it's like, oh, look at that chart. That's beauty. And uh, so I have I have some saved on, on one of my platforms, just the chart. So I can just hit 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 a button, hit a button, hit a button, just refresh the chart. So I, I look at a couple of them that I that I know are going to happen. So I, I patiently wait. But the, the true thing about the chart is I, I rarely will will jump the gun. And that's part of the discipline game, too. Like, I know the thing is going to cross up to show a buy signal tomorrow, but I won't buy it today, even though it's like hard to do. You're like, come on, dude, it's going to change. It, 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 you know, it's going to show the buy signal like don't. And uh, I'll wait. 
discipline. You know, it still might go up a bunch that day, and I'll be like, damn it. And a last last piece of of wisdom, if you will, is, again, if you think things are going to change, like, let's say, like, let's say it's, well, Tesla's too hard, but let's say stocks had a really good run and or sectors had a really good run. You think it's going to change? You don't have to be first. <laughs> sometimes best thing to do is because sometimes if you, if you get in front of a you get in front of a trend and you've mistimed it, you know, uh, and a lot of a lot of that's to do like when you're trading interest rates, you're trading bonds that that sometimes the market gets going in a direction and you you don't like it. Right. But the trend needs, you know, and you start getting into your head. All right. Yeah. This something like this happens. It takes about three days before, you know, it starts to turn. And I know guys are highly aggressive. They'll, they'll, they'll counter trade. They, they think this thing's going down and they're, they're selling every day that it's, that it's going up. And I, you know, my best, my best friends does that very, very well in the, in the, in the rate world, interest rate world, bond world. Um, but another one, you don't have to be first. Like, it, 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 when the when the trend turns, you know what? If, you, if you're second or third to the party, it, it's fine, right? So it sounds a little bit like being a pussy, but it's not. When you show your wallet, yeah, don't we, we say don't, don't be a hero, like freaking let yeah. you. Know. <laughs> also, there's there's eleven there's eleven main sectors in the S and P five hundred, right? There's different technology, financials, energy. There's got there's definitely people that make a living. That on January 1st of the new year and see what the worst performing sector was last year and buy that just because they're like, it got beat to shit. It's going up. And guess what? Energy financials were that January one. Right. And guess what? You guys are winning. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah. By a lot. And they're not buying. So then there's others who are like, dude, you got to stay with the techs. You got to stay with the technology. They were, that was the best performer last year. It's going to be again. And that doesn't usually work out. So not maybe in two years in a row. Yes, but not over time. Well, boys, a lot packed into this show. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe out there. Yeah. Do we do we grab the guns now? Nah, I think they're going to get ahead of this. I hope. God, I hope. I hope they're not like shooting each other at the. I have I saw those guys at the Capitol, man. They're they're well armed. You know, if they're bringing in the tanks, like that's big deal. And then and there won't be rubber bullets in those. those No, 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 probably not. But yeah, let's let's just hope and uh, pray if that's your thing. Uh, That everything is going to go smooth, and I'm trying to be more optimistic. I'm usually a doom and gloom guy, but uh, I don't know. I'm waiting for rock bottom. Hopefully we hit it already, but I'm hopeful for a better 2021 than 2020. And I wish everybody a lot of health and prosperity.